From 2005 to 2007, Showtime aired an anthology show featuring some of the greatest horror film writers and directors in the history of the genre. For the first time, the foremost names in horror have joined forces for the series, consisting of 13 one-hour shows of some of the creepiest, disturbing, and original images ever shown on television. This crowning achievement was called The Masters of Horror. But then it left Showtime and went to network TV, and they called it Fair Itself. But we don't want to talk about that. We're going to be talking about Master of Horror on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer horror nuts out there welcome to another episode of attack of the killer podcast there are definitely some mixed nuts that's for sure uh i'm your host insane mike this is episode 270 270 holy crap wow unbelievable uh we will be talking about one of the greatest horror anthology shows ever to air on television the masters of horror oh i like it okay um I'm talking it up, but it only got like two real seasons, and then they tried to do the same thing on network television and changed the title, and that one really sucked. But even out of those two seasons, there's still some clunkers in there. Um, Was Mick Garris still the showrunner of the sec- of the Ferret Seven? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, then what? Maybe we'll get into why it failed. I don't know. Network television. Yeah, yeah. you said it. Yeah. That's it. Think about <laughs> think about what you just watched, and then think about NBC. He didn't even go to, NBC. didn't even get to go to cable. Like it jumped the biggest hoop. It went from uh, like yeah. premium, doomed, yeah, straight to network. So, yeah, how to shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Attack of the Killer podcast, what we are is we are a show uh, about horror movies. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Glad you clicked on it. No shit. <laughs> we're a group of friends. We get together with a topic and we talk about films within that topic. And we're all just friends here speaking open and free open and freely and giving each other shit apparently. So there may be spoilers. <laughs> it's a guarantee every episode. Now if you like our show, you should be cons- you should consider becoming an attacker. An attacker helps support the show and through your support you can help keep our show going. And once you do donate to, to our show, you become an attacker, an elite member of the Attack of the Killer Podcast family, if you will. And that gets you so much more Killer Podcast in your life. You can get bonus episodes of the show, early access to the main show, shout-outs on the show and the website. You can get our different video series. Shows such as Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list, video updates, killer critiques. That's right. That you chuckles can suck for it. the bonus episode. Yeah. Attackers. If you're wondering what all that's about, you should become an attacker. Yes. And check out the bonus episode. There's also merch you can get as well as like a membership card, certificate, exclusive sticker. You can get a T-shirt. You can even get original art by me. That's called Mikey's Monsters, where I draw you a 
as a monster of my choice. You also get invites to exclusive events such as watch parties and our monthly horror hangouts. So much great content. You'd be a fool not to sign up. So go to jointheattackers.com, pick the tier of your liking, and become an attacker today. Again, the site is jointheattackers.com. So, so far you've heard, you know, from me, um, and I know that is usually enough for people, uh, but that's not all that's on this show. I'm not the only one on this podcast. It's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. The other day I asked him what his favorite monster is. He told me that vampire guy from Sesame Street. I told him he doesn't count, and he says, yes, he does. Tad. (laughs) Hey. Hey. I asked him what his favorite type of horror movie is, and he told me the ones involving clowns. I didn't believe him at first, but I think he means it. Jason. Hey. You're so funny today. Or clown tourgeist. I was, that's where I thought I was going. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We're so glad you're at least this far in the show. Thank you for sticking around. And lastly, he watched this horror movie about a pogo stick. A killer pogo stick. And he said it was okay, but it had too many jump scares. Andy! <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, jump off a bridge. Hey, um, thanks for listening. <laughs> I actually like that one. Dang it. <laughs> Called one of the best streaming services in the world by RogerEbert.com and described by Thrillist as pretty much everything a horror fan could want. Oh, sure. You'll listen to those guys. But when I keep telling you for years about Shudder, that it's the number one premium service for uh, streaming service for all horror fans, the best selection of horror, fine, whatever. Don't ever listen to me and listen to those guys. Fine. I don't care. Now, if you're finally ready for Shudder, start with a month for free on us. Just enter our promo code AOTKP and you get your first month absolutely free. Again, the promo code is AOTKP. Speaking of someone who never listens to me, here's Tad with What We Watched. What We Watched. All right. Again, we're into the spooky season, so I hope you're all watching a lot of horror. Andy, what have you watched? Well, um, in terms of... uh, of horror, it was it was very little, but I was I was able to watch a little bit of Sandman. This the sec caught the second episode of that. I've been watching Cobra Kai since it just came out again. Um, I watched a little. I'm a sucker for my documentary, so I watched a uh, a part of a documentary. I haven't got done with it. It's called Mind Over Murder. It's on HBO, and what's really interesting about this. It involves, and it's it's actually kind of a hard watch because it's true crime, but it involves the rape and murder of a 68-year-old woman in her apartment back in 1985. But what's major about this is that it took place about 60 miles away from me. And it's in a town that, you know, I used to party at all the time. And unbeknownst to me... Um, my buddies, uh, lived like right across the street and I had like, you know, no idea like this really nasty shit that used to happen. But the, but the case gets, uh, weirder as like 17 years later, everybody that got sentenced 
got exonerated, and I don't know why. And now they're now they're talking about it. So why would they cop to the crime, especially as brutal as this one? And just it's uh, it's 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 really interesting so far. And that's on uh, HBO. Where were you uh, that night? I was probably uh, in kindergarten. Um, that's not a strong enough alibi. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, is it weird yeah. though seeing like I'm assuming in the uh, in the documentary they're showing like shots of the house or the neighborhood or whatever, yeah. and you're uh, just like, oh, I know that place. Yeah, I do because like you know when I'm traveling on Highway 77, say if I'm I'm going to Lincoln, uh, go through through the Beatrice Way, you it's on a major road where this apartment complex is. You will pass it like every single time, and wow. yeah. It's, it's, it's gnarly, the, the, the stuff that this, that happened to this woman, I don't even want to repeat it, but, uh, yeah, it's a hard watch, but it's, it's, it's interesting nonetheless. Um, I've watched on Shudder a new movie called Who Invited Them? Have you guys heard of this? No. Uh, basically, the gist of it is these two, uh, new, uh, they're not really newlyweds, uh, they, They've been married for, for at least a, f- a couple of years because they have a kid. Not, not that you need to be married to have a kid, but um, they buy this new house in the Hollywood Hills, and they have everybody, all these people over as you know this housewarming thing. And uh, the husband's trying to impress his boss, and he's just like, "Hey, try my, you know, old fashions. They're legendary, you know." It's just like he's he's acting like very very fake. You know, and it's pissing the wife off. But at the same time, you know, once everybody leaves, you know, and he's thanking everybody for, let's say, sorry, excuse me. He's thanking everybody that's there. And he looks over to the corner. He sees this couple and they're like clapping. And he's like, who the fuck are they? You know, and once everybody leaves, they they introduce themselves as, you know, we're your neighbors. We didn't, you know, we just wanted to welcome, welcome you in. And uh, it turns out they're, they're really they really are, but they used to live there years ago, and they ended up murdering their parents. And it's it's played out very very slow, and you know it's it's very knock knock or old school death game. But uh, I I don't want to I don't want to spoil spoil it for you, uh, but it's well I kind of already did because I told you who they were, but. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's okay. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I would be okay with like never watching it again. I mean, at least I could say that I watched it. Uh, the only, uh, face that I recognized and it's because I've seen like the remake of Friday the 13th from 09 so many times. You remember the guy that had the shirt that said fuck Christmas on it? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the guy that plays... The, the the new house owner with with his with his wife and that's the only person I recognized. Um, it's it's new on Shutter. It's it's okay. I mean, you could watch it, but it's it's a very it's very slow. It's more psychological to begin with because this this couple is kind of fucking with them. They're like you know testing their boundaries, but they're also kind of partying and and drinking and and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's okay. Um, I also uh, finally was able to watch an old movie 
called 976 Evil. Yeah, sweet. I had yeah, I had never seen it before, and uh, directed by Robert England, which yeah. uh, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. who the hell's that guy? Um, got Stephen Joffrey's uh, Darren Burroughs. You may remember him from Northern Exposure. He was also in Class of '99. Um, can't remember what else he's in. Um, also, it's. Okay, it's it's very it's very different. It's also I, oh yeah, it's got Robert Picardo in it, uh, who was uh, in The Howling and well, every Giante movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and the voice of Johnny Cab. Uh, yeah, it's it was it was okay. I could say I've seen it. Um, and the last thing that I want to talk about, uh, since I was at Horror Hound, I was at the world premiere of the documentary called Fred Heads, a documentary. Have you guys heard about this? Uh-uh. No. no. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of of the same ilk of uh, Hail to the Deadites. Uh, have you guys seen that yet? Yeah, I've, nope. seen, I've seen it. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I it's this one deals with you know the the Freddy Krueger fans out there. And what surprised me is that it it started off, you know, very tongue in cheek and very happy. Then it started to uh, get very emotional, and it started about, you know, sometimes you have to deal, you know, because they're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, and they start talking about their personal lives, and you, telling you how you have to deal with the nightmare that is your you know, the nightmares that you deal in real life, the fears that you deal with, you know, because Freddy goes after your worst fears. And, you know, they fear that, you know, you have to deal with the Freddy in your life. And and everybody, all the filmmakers that were involved that uh, that are huge Freddy Krueger fans, and one of them actually that I met uh, online and I met him at the festival, uh, they kind of bared their heart and soul into this. I mean, a guy next to me, just full of tattoos down his arm, you know, big, you know, uh, mm-hmm. hard rocking guy, had tears rolling down his face, dude. Was he it was... Jason? Yeah, we're sensitive people, too. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. Um, a big it's... guy with tattoos crying <laughs> sounds it's like Jason. It does. <laughs> it does. And they were talking, I mean, one of them, one of the filmmakers was bullied so much, you know, after the death of her grandma. I mean, she uh, uh, attempted suicide. There was another another one of them was bullied, you know, beaten up. And it's just like uh, it got it got pretty damn emotional in that room. And I was really surprised that it was just like, wow, these People are, you know, and of course, you know, you saw like everybody's, you know, collections and they talked about the first time that they saw the, you know, the franchise. I mean, it was, it was really, it was really, really good. And, um, it, it took a long time to make from what I hear. This took about five years because they did online submissions of people who said they, you know, really enjoyed the franchise. And, uh, I was lucky enough to, to, you know, to be at the premiere, um, and uh, it was just, it was really, it was really, it was, it was what I expected, but at the same time, it wasn't what I ex- expected from it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, they gave, they also, you know, for people who haven't even seen freaking Nightmare on Elm Street, they give a breakdown of each movie and they, they let you know as to what they're about to talk about. So, um, 
and plus they they give a little joke about you know the the 2010 remake they they just really just dismiss it altogether we're just like yeah we're not going to talk about that <laughs> but um yeah fred heads uh, the documentary um i don't know when it's going to be available but uh hopefully i i hope you guys get to see it someday and uh that's what i watched all righty jason what have you watched um, I know this is one of Mike's favorite directors, but I watched a new the new Boz Lerman film. It's Elvis. Elvis. And um I, I like his films. Um Me too. And this but it did start off I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes. I'm like, I don't know. Cause this this movie's I mean, overall it's fucking awesome and great, and I loved it obviously, because that's what I do, but um, at first, I was really like, because it's really stylistic. Have you seen it yet? No, no kidding. Um, no, yeah, Jesus, I, it's, uh, I plan on it, but it's like uh, th- what, three hours. Yeah. I got to carve out oh, some time. My. But but I mean, it's, it's, it's what he's known for. So Yeah, was, was, and so just the style that it was at first, I'm just like, oh boy, I don't know. But then five minutes in, though, like the first concert footage the episode part happens and I was fucking all in man it was awesome Uh, super cool style I mean you get used to it it's just like riding a ride you get you know kind of used to how it's going and the I loved the uh, well first of all the dude's amazing who plays them there there really are moments Austin Butler right yep there really are moments where you're just like holy fuck it's Elvis (laughs) I mean, he doesn't always look like him, but like, man, so many times through the film, you're just like, oh my goodness, that's Elvis. Uh, but what I, re- uh, thing I really liked about it, so after all the all the musical sequences, which there are plenty of, um, but even that first one, um, they're um, inspired by, I guess you would call it, because there's a lot of like electric guitar and like distortion and like. Not like metal versions or anything. They're realistic and true, but they're like way different in a way that's fucking awesome. I I really ended up liking it a lot. Um. So anyway, I recommend it. It was great. I think it's on HBO Max. HBO Max is uh I, the the one constant like complaint I've heard from across the board was Tom Hanks in it. Well, he plays the bad guy and the narrator. I've heard he's just like it, they were just like I wish it was just an Elvis movie and just it's distracting and weird and right because it actually I mean it is about Elvis but it's more about the Colonel's story almost. He's sort of the main character, the co-main character if you can. It's it's just as much his story in the involvement of the Elvis story. So it's very prominent, but but also cool. If you don't know about the colonel and all that, then it's a great, fun way to learn. And it's not a normal Tom Hanks character or role by any means. He's a dick. I've heard, yeah, people questioning his acting choices, like his... Oh, yeah? The way he plays the character. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the history of him, so I don't know if people are saying like right. is it authentic or is it just right like, or did he make some weird like accent choices that weren't accurate i don't know but it's yeah. if you're looking to a Boslerman film for accuracy <laughs> uh i don't know yeah, what to tell you 
but uh, I I would still recommend. It. And and you know, music docs in general, just give me all of them. I loved it. Uh, yeah. So and then the next one, oh man, uh, it's not embarrassing because it was fucking good. Top Gun Maverick. I finally watched that. Oh, did you see it? No. It's really fucking good. I keep hearing that. I keep hearing good things, but I'm I, I gotta push past my disgust of Tom Cruise. Oh, he's really good I, in the movie. I, li- I don't mind Tom Cruise. It's my disgust of um like military propaganda. Oh, yeah, it's just as bad as the first one on that, but it's a fucking awesome action movie with some just, heart and I'll watch Jennifer Connolly all day. I'm just trying to figure out like it's so strange because it's it came out in May. It's still in our theater. In you know like he's paying L- for that. LDX. And it's like the, what, fifth highest grossing film of all time now during a pandemic and like the worst time for films. Like what? I'm honestly, and I'm not like, I'm only halfway joking. Like, <laughs> is he using some kind of fucking Scientology magic to brainwash people? Because I don't, I, how could another Top Gun movie just continue doing those numbers and why why is everybody love it like i cannot say i i've never heard one person who's took those seven hours or whatever however long it is to watch it it's not that what three hours <laughs> the three hours Hour, to watch it two hours and ten minutes okay that's not bad at all but see i have yet to hear one person who no. watched it who did who didn't say it was the best film I've ever seen, and it changed my life. And I'm like, what is oh. he doing? Like, oh. when you order the tickets, do you? Is there like residue? That's I, I, what, what is he doing? Like, what is the toxin on the I, ticket stubs? Why is it so good, Jason? Uh, I think you know a lot of people. Uh, I mean, see, you n- can't even tell me. There's nostalgia. <laughs> Look, give me a fucking second. <laughs> The first one's held in such high regard, but I think it's mostly nostalgia. It, uh, if you watch it again, it's slow as hell, and it's it sucks, and it's it's not homoerotic and weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so besides that, so I mean, you know, there's the built-in crowd, you know, the normies that love or think they loved it, you know, or still do and haven't rewatched it. But um, as a movie. I thought it was super fucking compelling. It's your your typical, um, uh, I retired, but we need you for one last job thing. And um, it's going a million miles an hour in a airplane. And I thought the, the writing was solid and it was filmed super solid really well. And um, it had great pacing and just okay. action-packed. And there was a, I thought the story was good. And and it has to be for that many people to, to I, I too have never heard anyone really say it wasn't good. I, I mean, mean, I I didn't even hear anybody say it was like good. Nobody even says, everybody says it's fucking great. And they, you know. Well, if you. I just don't. If you I, can I, watch it and let yourself watch it with a clean slate, I think <laughs> it, it's a solid movie. I'm very off-put by the... If you guys could have seen the face Mike made for a guy who's <laughs> never seen the movie but really has an opinion about it, it I want to ask. I don't want to ask. Well, I, I very vocally hate Tom Cruise, and um, uh, it okay. is a film 
apparently now franchise that uh, is not anything that interests me in the slightest. So. Okay. For me, like just knowing the history of the first one and how the military paid so much to have recruiters outside the theater to sign up young kids who just came out of this uh, Tom Cruise movie to take advantage of them and sign their lives away to go to our shitty military and never with never having even the slightest chance of ever being in a fucking jet, you know, just basically like signing away corpses is just the whole thing disgusts me. But uh, I'm not going to go on a political rant. I just know the history of the first movie and it just like really has bothered me. So, Hey, let's, you know, prey on impressionable children. Wow. What, what now, now what does that else sound like? You know, that, Kind of sounds like child predators, maybe. Yeah, see, I didn't Catholic know anything church. about that. It's, <laughs> there you go. Again, it's just uh, not in my wheelhouse. So, if you know if people love it, great. You know, it's just not a not a type of film that you know interests me at all. So, yeah, give me Iron Eagle any day. See, I don't even how many watched any of those because it, it's just not anything that I'm into. And the last movie I watched uh, really has blown me away and stuck with me, and I love it, and is up there for if we made our top ten list now, has to be right, right at the top because talk about a ride uh, of just intense motherfucking awesomeness, and the tagline is, "What's a bad miracle?" Talking about Jordan Peele's? Nope. Oh man, yeah. lucky. Did yeah. You, it, oh, it's like streaming now, isn't it? So. Okay. Oh yeah. You can rent it and stuff. Are you bummed you missed it theater then? Yeah, I can see uh, just from the scope of it, it would have been really kick-ass to see on a big screen. But I just Dang, scooted yeah. closer to my TV, so it was really big <laughs> too. So. Um, Dude, today I saw, sorry to interrupt, no, but before I forget, I saw a post, uh, there's an article that came out today about Nope, and those nighttime scenes, um, Jordan Peele and like his cinematographer like re- like changed the game. They filmed those scenes during the day with like one camera and a set, like some kind of film camera, and they overlaid them, and like, because it, it was like impossible to get those skies in the mm-hmm. dark, and they didn't want to use CGI, so... I'll have to send you the link. It's hard to explain because I'm not a filmmaker. But yeah, um, at night, you're curious. not going to get the cloud formations that you need to correct, see. In correct. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it'll just go black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't but they light still, the sky. But right. Be, but they still wanted to use actual skies and not like. That's not. You, know, you can't like, shoot true awesome. day for night because that's just. You're not fooling anybody anymore. No. That. no so no. that's cool. So that's very cool. So, like, yeah, some new techno. Oh, that's really exciting. But yeah, it's just uh, Jordan Peele doing this Western film that's, oh, it was so cool. And uh, it was very, but yet modern as hell. And yeah, everything about it, all the characters, everybody. And the I don't even know what people know about it because I, I try not to listen when you talk about it. Because I hadn't seen it yet. Um, honestly, I'm still, I mean, it's like aliens, right? That's really about So I wasn't even going to say that because I didn't know what people knew. That's all I really know. I don't know nothing about it, but I'm still stoked as I'll get out to want to see it. (laughs) As I'll get out. As get out. (laughs) 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 Nice. (laughs) Nice. Let's keep that between us. Jesus. (laughs) But one of my favorite things about it um, is when the... 
that when the alien things do happen, it's that is always the moment in a film that is an opportunity for you to be taken out. Mm-hmm. Okay. <sighs> okay. And when those things happened in this movie, I was like, "You're in." It it did not. It's like the opposite. Like it was. You're it was fucking like, glued and you're glued. In, you're, you're fucking to figure like out tense. what the fuck is what yeah. is this? <laughs> how is how what? And oh. it was just you're oh. along for the ride. Yeah, it's fucking wild. That's what it is. You're just on a runaway horse, <laughs> just trying to hang on to just what the fuck's gonna happen with the story. It's what? really cool. What's it on? Everywhere. Stream. Oh. Okay. Uh, Apple and everywhere, I'm sure. Amazon, yeah. Amazon. It comes to Blu-ray and 4K in time for Halloween, so it comes out here next month, I Pretty think. Soon. Yeah. But yeah, and I hate ranking, but definitely my favorite of the three so far. And Oh, wow. Oh, easy. Like, I mean, I yeah, I like them all, but I hate, I shouldn't even say that, but... um. Yeah, I really, 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 really loved it, and that's what I watched. All right, Mike, I know we watched a movie in common, um, so we'll talk about that a little bit, but what else have you watched? Okay, well, I'll start with, I don't really have much, and so I'm just, usually if I talk about a show, I try to talk about the show after I've watched all the episodes, but I kind of walked away from it. I'll probably get back to it, but I... Um, but it's the only other thing I could think of to talk about because I honestly haven't had much time to watch anything lately. But I did start watching um, on Hulu uh, that show Pistol, uh, which is based on the memoirs of Steve Jones, uh, the guitarist of the Sex Pistols. So it's 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 oh. a bio biopic show. Awesome. Um, and directed by Danny Boyle. Oh shit! I watched yeah, the first. Sunshine. I watched the first episode. Yeah, twenty-eight days. It's so it, it's there's some parts of it that was a little over stylized for me that made it hard to kind of get into. Uh, but once once you if you stick with it, then you, you kind of get hooked, you know. Because you know, I go in, I'm wanting to see a biopic about the Sex Pistols, you know, and um, it just was like, you know, inter interlaced with a lot of stock footage of of life in the times and that era of of. Uh, you know, London and whatnot, and so it was a little hard to get into at first, but once once I started, you know, sticking with these characters and getting into it, you know, it's pretty cool, especially when um, they introduce the guy who is kind of managing them at first, because um, he's just off-the-wall wacko, and it, I think he's hilarious, and I, I, mean, I don't know, there's something about, I'm, I'm a sucker for for manage you know these bio movie biopics with weirdo manager management that uh that have everybody's best interest in heart but they're either like an asshole or their methods are so outside the norm that it's just seems like, like these people are crazy exactly exactly like runaways that was going to be my <laughs> <Which is> awesome <laughs> connecting like now this Michael guy's, Shannon man he's yeah. awesome now this guy's not like a uh an asshole or anything, but his methods are just weird. Like not even these like anarchist uh, guys in London in the seventies was understanding his methods for things. Especially, it's like fucking hilarious. Um, uh, uh, Johnny Rotten's audition for lead singer of the band. It is, it's, it's bizarre and like it's just hilarious. And 
like the manager is so into this guy and promoting him and everyone else is like this guy sucks because <laughs> like, johnny rotten's not taking the audition seriously and i think it's just super funny um but i haven't finished it yet so hopefully i'll get back to it uh so then do you want to get into the other thing i watched now then tad yeah because we can't we're gonna talk about it but not talk about it no spoilers yeah it's gonna be tough um, just go fucking see i'm serious yeah uh i you know uh just what's today tuesday so sunday uh night we had a little date night and brandy and i went and saw barbarian i didn't even know this was a movie until tad said he saw it i, I didn't know it was a movie either a little until... bit of a little bit about it I like i, I heard sm- about smatterings here and there but apparently uh sorry go ahead go ahead go i was just gonna say i didn't know about it either until brandy you know sends me a message at work with a link to the trailers like we need to go see this i'm like okay and i saw justin long was in it so then i'm like all right well i guess i'm in yeah yeah, that's that's a good selling point (laughs) um and it was great you know i really you know like like tad said um you know in messenger like don't watch the trailer don't go in with any expectations and i didn't um i went in with no expectations not having any idea what i was getting into and I freaking loved it. It was so much fun. It was such a great. It was such a great like horror movie. You know, I mean, you know, I I enjoy a lot of A twenty four films, but it just it feels like a lot of modern horror. You know, is just so like this is stylized the, and yeah. whatnot. But this is just a, th- a throwback to just like you know horror. Horror of the eighties and nastiness without being an without being an homage to the eighties either. This is just like this movie could have came out in the eighties, but it's definitely a modern film. Yeah, it's sense. it's like not I wouldn't say the opposite of what people are calling elevated horror, but uh There you it, go, that's the term I was I would say it, if I had to put it in a category, it would be there with like malignant and drag me to hell. Definitely. And, you know, it, uh, it, it's, it's more raw. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny at times. And uh, did you guys ever watch Why Does Kids You Know the sketch series? No, no. Uh-uh. Sorry, no. So good. Um, it's it's basically a more modern uh, Kids in the Hall Canadian group. Their their main guy passed away, Trevor, uh, about two years ago, I think. But. Uh, they're very, very funny guys, and one of their members, he's sort of become, like, a, he started writing this story during the pandemic, and he somehow pitched it and uh, got it got it made, and it's like, uh, I saw the trailer before, like, three or four different horror movies in the last uh, couple months, and when we saw the trailer, even saw it before, Bodies, 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 with Nikki and uh, Tony Miller, and we sort of joked, like, in the trailer it's like from a producer of it and the grudge and it's like what like uh, it i can understand a little bit but like they were talking about like the grudge and something else and i'm like these movies are so like dated now like do people anyone younger than us even know what the fuck they're talking referencing like what in the trailer made it just look like a general like I, I sorry mike thriller like just sort of like it has the it has the scars guard that's in it, that plays pennywise in it yep and the trailer is very simple and Bill. it yeah. i i just have to give i don't even know what studio this is 
but props to them for making this movie in the first place and then creating an entire marketing plan, an entire like trailer, posters, everything that they're basically sacrificing, risking not having anyone go see their movie <laughs> to be sure that they don't spoil anything because I if you watch this trailer and then watch the movie you're like this is not the movie I paid to see like I imagine there's people who saw that trailer and were like I like sort of mysteries and who done it I'm going to go check this out and then they're like what the fuck did I pay for <laughs> so don't even um, watch the trailer no no I wouldn't even bother watching the trailer because it's a misdirect but uh it's it's fucking fun man it's like this is the best way to kick off the halloween s- season this is going to be uh, just balsa wall fun. I loved it. You guys, I, I just want everyone to go see it before it gets spoiled, like the twist and the, yeah, not one twist. There's just, uh, just it, the movie itself. Like there's just, if people start talking, if I talk about it too much, I'm going to ruin it for you guys. But I, and I also don't want to build it up as if it's like the next coming of horror. It's just like unexpected because it's just a balsa wall fun horror movie. Like Mike said, th- there's no doubt this is a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. In the purest sense of like, what we grew up loving when it came to horror, in my opinion, because it's it's not like reinventing the wheel or anything at all. You know, it, it's no. it's but it is a lot a lot of fun. And I mean, even the title doesn't give you anything. Um, no, I still don't even know what it has to do with the movie, to be honest. But well, we should talk maybe offline or uh, off separately the, about mic. that because yeah. I think I know why. Okay. Um. Uh. But it. But it's like a. It's kind of a, a a lame connection. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have any. See, it's just like everything else. It has no deeper meaning or anything. Um, and what's cool too, going in with no expectation, guys. I'll tell you this is like, you know, that first half of the movie it felt like almost the whole first half of the movie. Um, you know, could come off as maybe kind of boring, but not having any expectations, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time of like. Where's this gonna go? Where's this gonna go? And it, so, yeah, I think it's important to go in not knowing anything. Yeah, so barbarian, go see it, and go see it with the guy that was sitting behind us, the the crotchety old guy who was basically giving play by play through the entire movie because oh. we were laughing our asses off at the guy. It was so freaking funny. Nikki would have picked him up over her head like a barbarian. I know. I was waiting for Brandy to be all pissed off, but she thought it was funnier than I did. So, because me, I can drone that shit out if I need to, and I, you know, so whatever. But uh, and the guy was almost practically directly behind her, but yet, yet, yet she uh, she found it funny. So kudos to her for not. Yeah, I'd want to break his hip. Yeah, her her evening. Anyway, that's all I watched. Uh, Tad, what what else did you watch? Not a whole lot. I rewatched The Black Phone um, and Freaky because they're both part of a Blumhouse um, house at Halloween Horror Nights. So I sort of wanted to re-familiarize myself with some scenes so I would... Like you're going there soon. I am. uh, Not tomorrow, but the next day I'll be there at Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, And then outside of that, it's been mostly... uh, you know, football season started, watching football with Jason, and then uh, saw Barbarian, which I just spent forever talking about. So, uh, yeah, it's been 
relatively quiet. I, I did see one I can't talk about. I'll have to tell you guys uh, while we're not recording. But um, I know I know you guys have been busy prepping for Halloween Palooza, so there's a ton that you guys can't talk about that you can watch it <laughs> too. So also true. Yes. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty quiet on on this end. Okay. Yeah, it's you know we get into the Halloween season and it it just feels like every year it's like oh, this is our season. This is our time to be watching all these horror movies. And then you know we're just because it's our season, we're too busy to be freaking watching mm. horror movies. Yep. <clears throat> anyway, so thank you, Tad, for for all that. And let's switch gears over to Jason now for hey, get it gears pole position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. All right, before we get into today's question, let's take a look back to episode 268 and the pole position from there. The question, what is the best horror-themed song? Remember your choices? Good, I'll tell you. Insane Mike said, Monster Mash and Ghostbusters. It's a pretty good draft you got there. Heck yeah. Didn't you have, like, first pick, too? First and last? I think so. Uh, Jason had Thriller and A Nightmare on My Street. Tad had Dream Warriors. And I still believe. Still want to sort of vote for yours, Jason. I mean, it was too late, but, man. Yeah. And Andy's was Werewolf of London, and I Put a Spell on You. Oh, man, all those songs are so good. I'm so excited to be playing them. Playing them songs. Well, we got a... Huh, look at those results. Tied for last place <laughs> with 9.1%. Tad and Andy. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Mike's face just lit up. He's like, you know what that means? I didn't lose. <laughs> I didn't lose. Yep. <laughs> and so the winner with 45.5% of the vote is... Clearly, Jason. What? I know. Thriller, Nightmare <sighs> on My Street. I think you just went a little too old with Monster Mash. Ghostbusters, I think, Monster had Mash it. Monster Mash is the Halloween mm. theme song. It's mm. the jingle bells of Halloween. Right. <laughs> it actually might be. All right. Well, let's get into today's pole position. Today's is going to be a horror director fantasy draft. We're going to choose four, four rounds, draft four rounds of our favorite horror director. I know there's so many. All right, let's head over to the random sequence generator for this one. Insane Mike's first, I'm second, Tad's third, Andy's fourth. Here we go. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep. Oh, this is stupid. <laughs> Insane Mike's first. Yeah, yeah. Andy is second, Tad is third, Jason is fourth. So this will be a little different, more fun. we got four rounds, so we'll try to stick with that. Um, up first, though, Mike. For, oh, this is the gimmiest of gimmies. <laughs> Should be, obvious. God, how mad would he have been if he was the fourth pick and one of us took it? All I've thought about since we came up with this topic <laughs> is one of you assholes is going to get ahead of me and purposely pick mine. We would just to take just it, to piss me whether off. we believed it or not. We Correct. <laughs> Correct. So 
I don't care if I get the votes this time because I know I'm right. And if you don't <laughs> right. vote for me, you're all wrong. Uh, definitely numero uno in the draft is George A. Romero. What's the A stand for? Awesome. Yeah, it does. Can you just put like four, yeah, four of him <laughs> in? <laughs> Goodness. Oh, I, if anything ever worked out on this show ever, it was that right there. Dang I don't it. know. It would have been really funny if yeah. like I was last and one of you guys. We each teased it every time all <laughs> yes. the way down. <laughs> All right, yeah. Andy. You Andy's get... turn to take my pick. Yep, exactly. That's what's <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> this this is happening. Um, yes, I'm I'm taking it, Tad. I'm sorry, John Carpenter. Oh, that hurts. That's fine. All right, Tad, you're up next. Pick number three. Man, I have two that I'm teeter in between, oh. but I'm going to pick one that I think belongs there. Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Yep. Oh, See, that was that crap. was gonna be my number one if if uh, if Carpenter got taken. Okay. Well, shoot. I thought about taking what I think might be yours, Jason, but mm. I hadn't. I didn't. I should have put mine maybe in order. That would have helped me. I just made a giant ass list yeah. here, so I'm slightly stalling yeah. as I go through it real quick. I think I know what I have to do. Yeah, I have to, and just hope some of the good ones make it back to me. I'm going to have to go Wes Craven and Sam Raimi. Okay. Okay. Oh, I didn't take any off your list? Dang it. Craven and Raimi? Craven, yes, but I did not, believe it or not, I did not put uh, Raimi on mine. Raimi off mine, but Craven's not even, like, in my wheelhouse, so. Huh. You love the Scream movies. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, do. I mean, I like Scream and Scream 2. It's one of my yeah. all-time picks. Anyway, all right, Ted, you're back up. Pick six. Hmm. Oh, no. Yours so that that you uh, that I thought you might take yep. is still on my list. Sure is. But I'm not taking him because I don't feel like uh, he's as strong as some yep. do. So I'm going to go with David Cronenberg. Oh. Uh, yeah, he was on my list. Yep, mine too. Yep. All right, Andy, pick seven. Okay. Ooh, I'm in between two, but I feel like I got to take this one. I'm gonna go with uh, Toby Hooper. Nice. Yep. That's the one you thought. I thought Jason would yep. take simply because he's Mr. Texas Chainsaw. That's right. Dang it. And saying, Mike, you get two more in a row. You get pick eight and nine. If he takes my last two, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, I probably doubt it. Who goes with George Romero? Hmm. Well, if you're talking who goes with George Romero, probably <laughs> the one that worked with him the most, and I'm going to go with Dario Argento. <laughs> Dang it. Damn it. All right. Damn it. Quickly <laughs> searching the internet for... Oh, all right. Pick nine, Mike. <laughs> Pick nine. Um, now I'm trying to think if I should go for votes now. Um... Or if I yeah, that's my first eight right the, there. Here's the thing: like I could have done <laughs> yeah. other than George. Get some build up on these. Come on. Other than George, I could have easily done all <laughs> Italian for the rest of my draft. Um, for all four, you could have. Well, no. Well, after George, George, yes, yes. I think I'll be a jerk and take this one because I'm uh. imagining this one's going to be on a lot of other people's lists, 
And I'm going to go with Guillermo del Toro. God damn you. Mm. Okay. That was probably my next pick, a-hole. <laughs> You're welcome. God damn it. All right, Andy, pick 10. It's your turn. Uh, okay. Um, you even watch movies? I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm deciding in between two, but I got to go with one that I feel is a little bit stronger. And I am going to go with Stuart Gordon. Mm-hmm. Good. Nice. On the list. All right, Tadster, pick 11. No one said Rob Zombie yet, right? Nope. <laughs> just, ki- just kidding, I guys. Wrote it down. Nope, Wait. nope, nope. I've asked a question. I asked a question. I asked a question. Wait for your next Before, round. I mean, not only would I not get the votes, I might just get banned from Twitter like Trump. Come but, on. Um, I'm going to go with Mr. David Lynch. I knew that would happen. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I didn't even yeah. have him. Well, crap. That leaves me with two picks. My last two picks. Oh, my goodness. Gosh, I have to start all over since you took Del Toro, you jerk. Uh, oh, oh. You. gosh, dang it. This is hard. Oh, I could... Mm, mm, Son of a bee. Okay, well, that sucks. Uh, I'm going to go. Just take Eli Roth. It's okay. He's right there. He's pretty close to my next one. But I think I'm going with Clive Barker. Ooh, good. Yeah. 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 I got a heck of a soft spot for part one and two Hellraiser for sure. I mean, he didn't direct part two, but that's cool. I know, but yeah. uh, we got oh man, there's oh man, there's this one that I want to pick that you guys will hate me for, but I so I can't do that. We'll definitely well, you, have some. Well, you would hate you for it. Honorable mention. No, it's one of my the favorite listeners. directors of all time. But I'm not going with him. I'm going with oh my gosh, this is so hard. Just to narrow it down. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Oh, wait. Son of a... All right, I'm going with Ari Aster. I'm just going to do it. What? Yes, that's a director of films in today's world, Mike. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right, Ted. Controversial pick, but I like it. You know I would vote for it. Oh, man. There's some modern names that I considered adding to my list, but... uh, I just can't quite put him on my draft on my like top top yet. I think yeah. so. I just thought he beats right. out the rest for me, but I mean he's personal. got personally he's uh you know, he's got a perfect track record, which yep. is so far. Mm-hmm. There's another one that, that I think has done some classics but has as of recently sort of done some not great classics. Oh man. I'm gonna go with one that really is Old school and go with James Whale. Yeah. Oh, nice. okay. I thought about putting his I, fucking yeah, resume is is Stupid. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Frankenstein and such. Yeah. Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Invisible Man. Uh, just yeah. I mean, those three alone. Those are you know universal, timeless, yeah. universal. Yeah. All right, Andy, your last pick, pick fifteen. Oh. Okay, I feel like um, just for like a bonus part of this, we should like each name like an alternate. 
I'm serious. That's um, easy. But uh, since I've and you I'm, got a great I'm, team going right now. You got John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, and Stuart Gordon, all yeah, stars. I mean, you, you got my guy. So, uh, <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna go. Um, I I've been liking this guy's films. The more that I, the more that I see them, uh, I, the more I really like this guy. And he's he's old school, and uh, I want to see more of his films because I'm I wasn't you know aware of him you know until later i'm gonna say lucio fulci yeah. oh damn okay on the list on yep. the list same here lucio Obviously. all right mike finish it up your last pick of the draft oh damn it. can you narrow it down no you can't pick weird al for this somehow <laughs> Uh, fuck. Um, <laughs> right, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go from the heart and not worry about votes. Um, and I was trying really hard to not go, yeah. try to, to have and have a nice blend. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go back to Italy and I'm gonna go with Mario Bava. Bava, yeah. No, Joe Dante. I thought that would be one of yours. He's on my he's on my oh, list. Yeah. I really I thought know. about it. Yeah. Diodato yeah. or maybe Lenzi, Umberto Lenzi. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Bava. Yeah, my list, but the one that I wanted to pick there on that last one that you guys might hate me for was M Night. No, Ooh, that's no, a good that'd pick. Be a great pick. List. He was. I don't. I don't know why I left him off my list. I think, I think, but no, I think by the time I got to like about 18, I'm yep. like, okay, I, I, I need to stop. <laughs> my, my alternate, by the way, was uh, Ty West. Oh. That's a good pick. I had Ty West on my list, yeah. A new movie coming out this week. Yeah. Awesome. I'll, I'll stick, I'll go with, uh, uh, with what Tad said for my alternate and go with Joe Dante. <laughs> Uh, Steve Miner might be one of mine. That dude's done a lot yeah. of movies. Or Tom Holland. Or... Yeah, I had Tom Holland on my list as well. I don't know if Bob Clark's done enough horror, but <laughs> but he's done. Yeah, you know, I thought about putting him on mine. Quality but... over quantity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's done my fa- some of my favorites in the genre, but and that was the thing too. I was trying. I was trying really hard to focus on like if this is the fantasy team, like. Who's got the Who's got the, uh, the accolades? The, right. quali- the quality and the quantity. You know, like that's why Sam wasn't on my list, even though he's got the quality. He's got you know two of the biggest bangers of the genre. I, I saw a list. He had seven or eight horror films. What am I forgetting then? Mm-hmm. Drag me to hell. Yeah, drag me to hell Evil and the Dead. Evil Dead Evil series Dead was really oh, all I can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so that was the thing. Like, I felt like if if somebody's body of work out, you know, for, and other genres outweighed the horror, then then um, they weren't that high on my as high on my list. Even though personally, I do think of Sam as one of the masters of horror. But. Right, like Brian oh, yeah. De Palma to me. Like, yeah, not, I was, yeah, I have De Palma on my list too. But yeah. Flanagan, yeah, Flanagan that. would be my alternate probably. Yeah. That guy's fucking awesome. Yeah. Mike Flanagan. I wondered yeah. if you'd go with yeah. Takashi Miike. 
I thought about that too, but but too much. Like he's he too has too much, yeah, too much quantity and not a lot. Like not all of it's horror. So, yeah. and to be honest, I think like even though I mean, he's a master of horror by um, um, McGarris's standards because he made an episode. But I think he's dabbled in every single genre, and his horror output isn't as big as some of the other genres he's dabbled in. Right. Well, all right, I'll run through our fantasy team here for everyone. Insane Mike picked George A. Romero, Dario Argento, Guillermo del Toro, and Mar- Mario Baba. Hell of a team. Yeah. Uh, Andy picked um, John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, Stuart Gordon, and Lucio Fulci. Ted picked Alfred Hitchcock, David Cronenberg, David Lynch, and James Whale. And I picked Wes Craven, Sam Raimi, Clive Barker, and Ari Aster. So get your butts over to Twitter and vote for who you think picked the best team of horror directors. That's at AOTKP. Thanks uh, for clicking and stuff. That's uh, poll position. There's uh, there's one that uh, nobody mentioned that is actually a director of one of these Masters of Horrors that was actually on my list and I didn't bring him up. And we'll get into that here in just a minute, but... Um, it is time to get into our topic tonight, um, which is talking about a series that ran from 2005 to 2007 called Masters of Horror. The show was the idea of Mick Garris based on conversations he had um, at his annual Masters of Horror dinners that he would he would have with uh, all of his filmmaking friends. Oh, man, it's always so bad that we could never make it. Love, yeah. we, you know, we always got <laughs> yeah. the invite, you know, but we were never just the time never worked out. Time-wise. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, now, the concept of Masters of Horror was to team up horror uh, iconic horror writers with iconic horror directors. And the writers and directors involved were giving complete free reign as to do what stories they wanted to tell, however they wanted to tell them. Each episode was an hour long, so they were almost like a feature-length movie in and of themselves. And even though it technically was like a series, an anthology series, I consider each of these different episodes movies within these directors' filmographies. Um... You know, maybe that's just me. They show up that way on a lot of IMDb and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. And maybe for me, I do that just so John Landis has more horror movies in his yeah, right. filmography. So his claim to fame of being a Masters of Horror actually makes more sense. Um, so, Tad, what's the first one we're going to talk about on this episode? Well, the name that you were sort of skirting around is Mr. Don Cazzarelli with Incident on and off a mountain road. I believe anything can happen to anyone, anywhere, at any time. I learned that when I was a kid. Are you always this charming on a first date? You've always got to expect the unexpected. Hello? That's what'll save you when some wacko wants to put the hurt on you. Balance is everything. Are you hurt? Help me! You act just as crazy as they are. And they don't know what to do with you. What happens if crazy doesn't work? Oh, crazy always works. (laughs) 
What if it doesn't? Yeah. When everything else fails you, try anything. Where are we? You've come home. She's no! You've always got to do the unexpected. When Ellen's car breaks down on a deserted mountain road in the middle of nowhere, she encounters a monster-like man who is intent on killing her. But Ellen will not go down without a fight, and the game of cat and mouse soon shifts as Ellen fights back. So I, th- if I remember correctly, was this the uh, very first episode? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, I think we talked a little bit off mic last time about this uh, series, and this was really, really formative for me. This was 2005. I was um, I had just graduated high school, and I, obviously I was in the horror all through high school and stuff. But uh, it's like this was just really fucking cool for something new to be coming out to see uh, Don Cazarelli and Dario Argento get new, like mm-hmm, right coming out with new stuff, and a and it is on like a mainstream American channel and just a really exciting time uh but this one like was a great way to kick it off to me um a great blend of sort of horror and survival and slasher and uh it's not it's pretty serious actually really serious for Mm -hmm. a don cazarelli story but um has a really sort of cool iconic killer in Moonface. this sort of yeah mutant big bull big buff mutant guy and in that sort of moment where she's she's yelling for help and she sees somebody coming up and he in with a flashlight the face reveal it's very creepy and um to me this is so strong because of the backstory uh ethan embry i love this man Oh, me too. Uh, big crush he's my crush (laughs) yes and he's so fucking good in this guy's like Mm -hmm. he is there, I would say if there's one thing that's like inconsistent in Masters of Horror in general is some of the the acting, um, I guess some of the writing too. But and, but you know it's it's like very strong in this episode. He almost makes the uh, the female lead like he he sort of blows her out of the water because he's so intense, he's oh, yeah. so good and believable. Uh, but it's really a cool story and and hard to watch at times. But you know he's he and how relevant is it now? You know with a lot of people sort of. Uh, becoming paranoid and and yeah. uh yeah but yeah. um this guy was maga chad before maga chads yes yes that's what i'm trying to say politely andy thank you um <laughs> and that's I'll be why we have andy for it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah i love this one this is like probably i mean this is top five for me in, in masters of horror that would that would be another fun, it's one of my like, favorites draft yeah would be to to pick your top five master of horror episodes but um this one's just really cool i mean i've always seen it as one that was very simple there's not um a whole lot of like message in it where a lot of the other ones there's some maybe some political undertones and stuff like this one is like survive survival of the fittest where she used this horrible incident in her life where she was basically 
uh, beaten and, and trained to defend herself and actually came back to work in her favor. And, uh, you know, she, she ends up surviving the whole, uh, sort of twist of having the tall man, you know, in, in this story, yeah. just almost sneaking him in as an annoying old man who's trying to offer her candy and stuff is, is I guess the most Don Cazarelli aspect of it. Yeah. Um, sure. and but, Angus uh, is so good. Yeah. Angus, though. Angus yeah. Grimm. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, but yeah, this, this one's a blast. This one was so much fun. I, I still can think back to 2005 watching it and just thinking it was the best thing I've ever seen just because I was so excited, <laughs> you know, watching it live. Like I think they aired them on Saturday nights or something and just, you know, recording them and, oh man. And just collecting all the DVDs and this a celebration of the filmmakers. It was just, there never really been a series that celebrated the filmmakers rather than like the actors or the characters you know and i thought that was just mind-boggling to me as as a kid who was getting into horror so yeah this was the uh, i'm sorry nope go for it okay um this was uh i didn't have hbo at the time so whenever i would go to walmart and look through the which we look through the dvd section which is the first place i went because i was just like you know what fuck groceries um but this was the very first Masters of Horror that I I bought on DVD. This is the first time I learned about Masters of Horror. I was just like, "Holy shit, what is this?" I was just like, "You mean they, you know, uh, you mean these directors, you know, get to go out and make whatever they want, you know, and just you know get together and it sounds like that sounds awesome." And uh, since I was such a huge uh, and still am a huge phantasm fan i was just like oh man it's don coscarelli this has got to be good i've I've loved everything that i've that this guy has ever made you know between you know beastmaster you know the phantasms uh you know i guess what what was the other one like survival quest or something or that he did but i guess, I guess it doesn't matter but uh i watched this and uh well yes that's that one too um i guess you know um and after this, I mean, the floodgates just opened. I wanted, to, I wanted to watch all of them, and this one was, this one is one of my one of my favorites as as well. Just uh, you know, because it's kind of like Tad said, it's the survival of the fittest. It's like almost like you know, you're out in the woods, you're trying not to get killed. It's almost like Predator in a way, you know, like mm-hmm. a like a like yeah. a slash like That's a slasher a good comparison. Version like a slasher version of predator and you know, she's, she's making her, you know, these booby traps kind of like the way Arnold did and whatnot. And, um, Oh God, when the one backfires and the girl falls, mm. Oh, oh that's yeah. so fucking brutal. Just because and, it's like, Oh yeah. Just the, you know, the went through her leg, like her, like her yeah, thigh. And right? you just feel oh, for her. You feel, she's been through so much shit. And then to have that happen. Yeah. Um, that and uh, Ethan Embry just, you know, he, he plays against type in this because he's such a son of a bitch. Um, it's, it's, he, ha- to my, in my opinion, he's got two types. He can, he, he can do the asshole and he can do the innocent guy. And the, for me, what I love about him is that he can do both those performances with just a, uh, a simple shift of his brow. He's got like such the puppy dog eyes in one moment, yeah. but when he like gets more stern looking, he could be like the scariest motherfucker in the in the room. 
and he does both in this in this episode. Yeah, that's exactly. true. And that's what's yeah. cool is like he can shift he uses, back and forth. In, in yeah, he uses that charm to get the girl to beginning, and then we see him turn into that fucking monster. He kind of so, does the same thing, not in the extreme bad guy sense, but in kind of you know a little bit of an asshole sense in like Cheap Thrills. That was the movie that yeah. really put him on the map for me as a fan. Almost can't almost hardly wait so for me. Well, yeah, yeah that was the. Yeah. Uh, that thing you do. That for was me. the before he remade himself kind of yeah. thing. I remember yeah. him in Dutch, actually. First time I saw him with Ed O'Neill. Yep. Uh so I mean, like, yeah, I agree with you guys. Like he, he can be uh very disarming at first and then just kind of be scary as hell. Almost like a almost kind of like the way uh John Lithgow can act, you know. Oh yeah. He can yeah. he yeah, can be very he can be hilarious time. one time and then you sometimes, you know, when he when you see him play like a very sinister character on Dexter, you're just like ready to wet your pants cuz this guy's scaring <laughs> the shit out of you. Um but yeah, I can't say enough good things about this episode. It's it's one of my favorites. Uh it's got it's got all the aspects of horror that I like. I like the survival aspect. I like the slasher aspect. I like um, you've got a great final girl. You've got uh, uh, you've you've got well more than one great villain in this. You know, I mean, I I it's it's arguable to say that Ethan Embry is a better heavy than Moonface is. Um, but yeah, it's just great all around. And I, I love that we don't have like any explanation on Moonface. Yeah, yeah, ditto. We yeah, don't know it, why he's um, he's a monster that's like pale and disfigured, but like super strong and has power. But it's like never even really hinted at. I don't think we need one. It, no, it, that's what's great about it is that it leaves that up in the air. It's sort of cool yeah. about this this uh, anthology is that we have an hour to tell the story. Um, leave us wondering. You know, we don't need to, uh, to hold our hand and explain everything. That's what's scary about him is we have, what the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Mystery helps in the suspense. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah, this is one of my favorites. I mean, you know, peel back the curtain a little bit. The mo- these episode- are all your favorites. Yeah. Yeah. This, these are definitely in the, the I, I had two criteria for the ones that I picked. Three of my favorites, and um, I wanted to start because I know we'll come back to this topic. I wanted to start with season one, so they had to be three episodes from season season one, and pretty much my top three favorite ones of season one, if not the whole series. So I love this one, and I kind of go back and forth between it and another one that we're doing later as my favorite episode. Um, and I'll get into more of that later. Uh, with one of the other ones we talk about and why teeter back and forth and why maybe after this more recent watching of these three that maybe this one now is my favorite one. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and Ethan Embry, awesome. Uh, it's cool having Angus Scrim in there, you know, and that, like you said, that definitely feels like the Don Casarelli touch. Um uh, let's see. I hope I'm not stepping on your trivia, but I also love this is kind of like the uh, um, what I consider the the trilogy for Don Casarelli and his team up with uh, Joe um, Radsdale because uh, he's oh. the one that wrote the short story for this, who also wrote um, Bubba Hotep, the original right. um, story for Bubba Hotep and 
the John, John dies at the end books. Um, Very cool. So, yeah, and talk about a match made in heaven between those two guys as far yeah, as they're like three very completely different stories but um, yeah but very outside of the box thinking as far as um the stories that you tell like phantasm can you know it took five films and i still can't really maybe explain exactly what's going on uh there's so much <laughs> off the wall weirdness going on in those yeah, movies nor- normally that would piss you off and make you want to give up but you're still looking no. for answers yeah exactly and they're they're just fun movies um you know and so and you know you get like bubba hotep you know elvis in a retirement home finding in a mummy you know it's like just the the weird stories that i would want to tell and that's why i love both those guys um uh, and I think like the storytelling of the flashbacks are just perfectly timed throughout this whole movie, which leads to, and I'm not going to spoil it, to such such a great reveal ending there um, that I thought was just perfect. So, yeah, A1 in my book. I love this episode. Well, I agree with almost everything you guys have been saying. Um, I, the last thing I want to do is poo-poo... But so a quick history for me, I didn't watch any of these. I didn't, I haven't seen any of these until maybe a couple of years ago. I'm like, finally, probably from Tad ranting and raving about him, I think about his sweet box sets. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit down. They're on Tubi. I'm just going to blast through these and get caught up. And I watched the first one, this one. And that's where I stopped two years ago. I was like, uh, so yeah, so the the two, two things, the two things, I, I I'm sorry, I don't want to. So, I, I maybe it's because Ethan Embry is so awesome <laughs> that he makes me hate him. <laughs> well, yeah, like no, fuck him, and I don't know. It's not. I don't. I didn't react well to him. And again, yeah, probably because he was point. so good at it. But I didn't like his character, therefore I didn't like the way he was written there at the end. And then I also, the, I, I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying, but the no explanation of this white painted-faced guy that comes out of nowhere took me out of it immediately. Huh. Like, I couldn't get, I could I didn't. Ca- I just was out on this guy. I'm like, well, what the fuck is this? Is this, is this realistic? Is this supernatural? Is this what's going on? Oh wait, I don't get to know because they don't explain it. Well, she and, crashed on the side of the road. I don't think she's gonna ask for his backstory. No, but as an audience member, I don't know, and I don't know that I ever get to know other than he's just some redneck, I guess. Right? If that's his cabiny thing. So I didn't love it. So I'm sorry. Oh. Interesting. Okay, that's no. fair. Fair enough. No, but you guys yeah. liked it so much. I feel bad. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I will say it has a everything hold on but that me I loved. Yeah, because you know it was a spe- like I said, I have this attachment to this whole series because oh, I, I watched that. them the night they aired. I that's paid my mom. Awesome. I still lived at home. I was paying my mom like twelve dollars a month to get Showtime. <laughs> Uh, you That's know, awesome. and this, this was like pre DVR. I mean, you had to like yeah. watch it when you watched it or tape it on, on a VHS tape. And it was just like, 
this is, I mean, I grew up watching, as you guys have heard on a previous episode, Are You Afraid of the Dark? This was just yeah. the grown-up version. It's like I, when I was a kid, I watched Are You Afraid of the Dark and pro wrestling, and as an adult, I watched Masters of Horror and UFC. I just, I just graduated to something more dark. Yeah, I Angus Scrim's awesome. Ethan Embry is a, one of my favorites. Bree Turner was awesome. She was fantastic in this. But yeah, I just didn't understand what was happening. Well, I'm good. I'm glad that this episode didn't com- ruin Ethan Embry for you. Oh no, I just don't like this movie because his character sucks. His character sucks, which makes the ending all the more better. <laughs> Again, being, I didn't, being but I didn't make it to the end to care. You know, I mean, I made it to the end, but I didn't. Yeah. It By then, you were checked out. I was gone. There you go. Sorry. Sorry, guys. That's okay. It's fine. It's okay to be wrong. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> I am daily. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully, Jason. Yeah, we'll this see. This episode gets better for you. <laughs> so, Andy, what's next? Our next episode comes from the true masters of master of <laughs> horror, John Carpenter, and it is called Cigarette Burns. The far absolute demand, the absolute end of the world. The government seized it and destroyed it. I'm a bit obsessive. I want you to find a print for me. We are a part of the film. If it had been destroyed, we would know. Bakovic said film in the right hands is a weapon. Well, you spoke to Bakovic? At the start of the festival. I recorded the whole interview. These will change your life. Last night I saw something I can't... Circle? Huh? Like the real change in the movie? Yeah. Then it started. It's only going to get worse from you. What started? What's happening to me? Are you my sweet man, Kirby? As soon as you start getting close to it... It gets inside you. Tell me where the film is. That's not what you want to know. You want to know if the stories about the film are true. I know what you want. You want to see the movie. Relax. Something happens when you point the camera at something terrible. The resulting film takes on power. The bankrupted owner of a movie theater, Kirby Sweetman, is hired by the eccentric private collector, Mr. Bellinger, to search and find the only existing print of the legendary horror film La Fin Absolue du Monde by Hans Bakovic. This lost film is considered magic and cursed as it's, as, and has been presented only once to an audience at the Stygis Festival, driving people insane and causing bloodshed in the theater. The director, the crew, and everybody involved in its production seemingly have died since. Kirby owes $200,000 to his father-in-law, who blames Kirby for the death of his daughter, Annie, and accepts the assignment to pay his debt. Bellinger shows him a souvenir from the film in his basement, a changed angel, a chained angel that had his wings torn off in the movie. 
Kirby travels to France to meet a contact and has glimpses of his beloved Annie initiating his journey to hell. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, right off the bat, um, I'm already invested by just the the plot of the film. You already have this forbidden fruit, this you know film that nobody's supposed to see, and it only has one print. So I'm already invested by the mystique <laughs> and the mystery of that, just in general. I mean, I already... Yeah. You know, so we're we're on this journey with uh, Kirby Sweetman, who's played by uh, Norman Reedus, and also you have this the delightfully creepy, always entertaining to me, Udo Kur playing uh, Mr. Bellinger. Um, essentially, um, he starts when he goes on this uh, quest to find this lost film. Already, um, he starts to hallucinate because th that's how powerful this film is. And he sees this. He goes to a guy writing a review that was supposedly there. And it, basically, it's driven the guy mad because he's writing his second review. And he's got 10,000 pages of paper, you know, just about this movie, this uh, absolute end of the world, which is the translation of La Fin Absolue du Monde. And... Um, he meets these characters along the way, just um, uh, trying to find this film, and he gets these hallucinations that he's having about his uh, his ex wife, who's apparently committed suicide. Um, they they get stronger and and stronger, and uh, it turns out he gets sent to this uh, projectionist who had a secret screening of the film years earlier who looked away and basically everybody else died in that theater as well. But he looked away and he woke up with a severely burnt hand. Um, he in turn sends him to this hardcore uh, filmmaker who, who knows about the film and this, this film essentially is, from what I can gather, is a snuff film of the killing of an angel, or a, the, the the angel got its wings torn off, which apparently something that evil, when you watch it, will just drive you insane and want you to kill everybody and kill everyone else. Um, eventually, uh, Kirby finds out that this... Uh, you know, during his hallucinations, he he himself becomes violent, and uh, he eventually he gets his hands on the film from uh, the the director's widow, telling you know the director is dead. But um, all doesn't pan out very well. I don't want to tell you the whole plot of the movie, sorry. But uh, I I really really like this one, and not because it's uh, not because it's just Carpenter, but it just deals with film and just obsession and loss and uh every time you know you see him uh uh this uh Norman Reedus character Kirby Sweetman hallucinate you know the this projectionist asks him did you see the you know the the cigarette burns like the, the the flash in the film you know and of course when you watch it you actually do see a cigarette burn is which is what they're called in you know in in the film you know when when you're watching it um yeah just a really uh dark and kind of a 
pretty actually pretty sad story uh just about loss and how people you know have to learn how to deal with it um yeah i it's that's about all i got i mean i i really i really dug it um Yudo Kur did really good norman Reedus did really well um it gets it gets bloody and pretty gory at times but what did you guys think uh i'll jump in um I I love movies about movies, yeah. and I right. when it comes to horror movies oh. that are movies about movies, I love the concept of a lost movie, a killer movie, a movie with some kind of dark legend, you know, really enjoy that concept. So I'm already hooked, and I'm in. Um, yeah. I Forbidden think, fruit. I think style-wise, style this is a great Carpenter uh, film. Um Feels a little too talky for my taste, uh, but I will say, um, you know, I love I love how very uh, Faustian it is uh, in its concept. You know, making a deal with the devil to make this film, you know, and it's you know, the the you know driving people mad, and I love that idea as far as that that, that concept goes. So I think, and I feel like it was executed really well for the most part. For me. Um, well, I, I also I'll say this too before I get into my negative. Um, to me, I, I or f- for me, I also really love movies that get all meta. I love that idea, but I I really like how this movie gets meta without it being as in your face as like a scream or even you know something like Deadpool where he's talking straight up talks to you, you know that kind of thing. Um, this this is meta more in its style and editing and um, and and whatnot because. You know, one of my favorite scenes, and and it kind of happens throughout the at certain points throughout the movie. But one of my favorite scenes is when you first meet his projectionist at his theater, and he's cutting out um, a cigarette burn to put in a scrapbook from a Dario Argento movie, and you know he's doing all the splicing, but the scene is all spliced up. You know, it, it's almost montagey in the way that he's cutting it because it's not, it doesn't it in the editing of the scene, it jump cuts a lot while he's splicing this one frame out to, to steal the cigarette burn. And that happens in a few different parts in the movie, especially as, um, as Norman Reedus goes deeper, deeper into the hole of this mystery. Um, it almost feels like, um, the movie he, that he's in, in, that he is in itself is um, also adding to his madness because again, there's other scenes where, um, where there's a lot of jump cunningness and you know seeing the cigarette burns and stuff like that. Uh, so all that is super cool. Uh, my negative, as I feel, and I'm sorry, Andy, but I feel that the worst part of this movie was Norman Reedus. I oh I I mean I, I think he did okay. You I know, thought it, uh, I did not care for his performance at all. Um, it just felt for me, the first thing that really took me out of him and his character that was negative is when he, when Udo Kier walks him into the other room and reveals that he's got an angel basically in a room, he doesn't react at all. It's like, Oh, this is, this is just an everyday thing. Come on. Like nothing, nothing like the reaction to the in the scene where um, that guy cuts uh, machetes the woman's head off uh, while he's all tied up, 
His reaction to that should have been the rea- same reaction he got to a- an angel in the room. That was like the one moment. It's like, oh, finally, some emotion we're seeing from yeah. this character. Um, yeah, you're right. Which, you're, right. you're not which, wrong. Which, by the way, that head chopping scene was fucking awesome. Yeah. That was one of the best head chopping <laughs> scenes of all freaking time. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. So, yeah, for the most part, I do really love this one. Um, and it's it's a great. Uh, John Carpenter. If it, that's what I love about a lot of these episodes that have more of the classic uh, uh, horror directors in it. It's like, oh, finally, we're kind of coming back to our, to our, um, you know, what we what we want to see out of these guys. You know, um, you know, because you know we had some, you know, not so great films from Carpenter there towards the end. What? That's yeah. what I was going to say. I mean, I feel like this was celebrated because it came after a long break after Ghost of Mars and, yeah. uh, you know, Escape from L.A. And it sort of showed, like, he still has it. He yeah. It's still there. He can still do it if, you know, you, you put the right ingredients together and let him go. Exactly. Um, yeah. You get I, really good source material. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like... Even then, like you know, I thought you know Carpenter hasn't necessarily been known for his writing, but uh, always felt like he was a good writer. But at his older age, he you know he will tell you straight up like I'm lazy and I just want to do the least amount possible. But this showed that you know he it, it wasn't just like a bunch of happy accidents and that it, you know he didn't he didn't have to end his career on Ghost of Mars, but. Uh, this, I, I have to agree with Mike. Um, I am not a big Reedus fan in general. Uh, Boondock Saints, I think is incredibly overrated piece of crap. Incredibly uh, overrated. But, uh, th- he doesn't ruin this at all for me. He doesn't ruin it all for me. I think maybe he has the same reaction I have to that angel character where I'm like, why is this in this story? Like, I really wish mm-hmm. that whole thing didn't exist because, this movie could be believable and in a real life scenario if that angel wasn't like why not have like something t- tangible from the screening instead of a living That's creature a that doesn't that... really exist is very strange yeah. like I mean, like it, why, I, overwritten. It have, <clears throat> if it wouldn't have gotten maybe so you know i don't want to say religious or like if it wouldn't have had like a mythical creature in it you know i think yeah. it would have added more to the mystique and it would have added more to uh the intrigue of wanting to get the film you know like what if they're you know we've all heard about like you know like michael saying earlier like these you know rumored films i mean when i was growing up it was like cannibal holocaust it's like or you know and then later it was yeah. like a serbian film it was like you got to see these things like what why you know it could have been instead of an angel it could have been you know there was like a just a brutal decapitation like we saw later in the episode and the and the collector had the machete that supposedly was used in the film or something rather than an actual living uh, angel on a rotating director of the film base yeah it's it's just really sort of that thing sort of pulls me out of it and read us a lot in general, but I still love the movie and the movie concept, the idea of uh, owning the theater, the tragic, tragic backstory. I think the dad, dad's performance, like the girl's dad is pretty bad too. And, and I mentioned Not it. Great. Yeah. I mentioned it in the last episode 
um, that if there's anything I don't uh, that I sort of fault this fran- or this series for is some bad performances and low production value at times. Um, it was fully financed before Showtime even came along. They just picked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Anchor Bay paid to just like make them all for straight to DVD, and then Showtime yeah. was like, "We'll air these." So. Um, you know, very low budget, um, and they were sort of given a few rules. But overall, I mean, this is uh, Cody Carpenter's first time as a composer, so the score is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of a, a look into the future where John and Cody and, and Daniel Davies get together and start making these killer scores for the Halloween films and tour and stuff. Uh, and, and to me, it has a lot of classic uh, Carpenter uh sort of signature things to it it's it has a lot of atmosphere and uh just really cool just i mean i think it's sort of like just seeing what we're seeing now with like brandon fraser like it's just good to see like carpenter come back and and we're always rooting for him to make another great thing and uh this is for me the best thing he had done i don't know since what like prince of darkness or something like it's just fantastic and you know just cool to see it like in 2005 we get a new carpenter thing that doesn't suck yeah i mean and it probably helped that he didn't have to go through a lot of bureaucratic red tape and you know just he could kind of just do his own thing don't you think uh, well i feel like i feel and like keeping that's him to 100% an hour yeah. of the problem with some of those later films when he's talking about like being lazy and doesn't do anything i feel like the artist is still there the laziness comes from like you know, finding with the fucking producers and studios and stuff. Yeah. And just kind of gives up and just, you know, takes the paycheck. Yeah, because uh, I think what I read was that, uh, that basically they were Showtime, like originally they were given free reign when Mick Garris was just sort of show- overseeing it. And then when Showtime came on board, um, they said, like, no full frontal male nudity and no violence committed. Yeah, and no violence committed on a child by another child, but you could have violence by adults on children and children on adults, but no child to child for some reason. Um, so, and obviously we found out later through uh, Takeshi Mike's film, no <laughs> abortion or aborted fetuses either. Yeah. But um, yeah, don't, I, I don't still, send him downstream like that kid in Willow either. Yeah, I, it's funny because a few years ago when. Uh, the when Cody Carpenter was starting to put out his own solo music and and working with his dad on these Halloween scores, um, he's on Facebook and he interacts with people. And I just asked like, is there ever a chance that this score would come out? And he's like, no, it's pretty like I did it as just sort of like a fun thing with my dad. And um, it like the masters don't exist. He's like, you know, I just just never thought this would be like anyone would give a shit about a score to a tv series episode with my dad so uh it's pretty much what what we have on dvd and blu-ray is what we have for a score so you have little faith in the horror fan my friend yeah so yeah this one's this one's probably my favorite episode of masters of horror and i can't say it's not because john carpenter and the story behind it um but again movies within movies some really cool stuff the one thing i i took a note on during this is that this fucking uh, character 
is going through all of this flying across, around the world, watching people get their heads cut off, and his payment is $100,000. Are you kidding? <laughs> Give me a million at least. Yeah. I was going to say, 100000 Andy's flat-ass broke. How is, how is he? Okay, so I guess Bellinger's helping him pay for his plane tickets. Oh, yeah, he, but. It was plus expenses, yeah. Yeah. But, dude, like, you watched a woman die in front of you, and you had to kill somebody. 100000 like <laughs> I've never wa- I've I've never wanted to see a movie that goddamn bad. I don't there, there, I know people that wouldn't even take care of their student loans. <laughs> They'd still be broke after they found this fucking film killed someone, watched someone be killed, you know, and then killed themselves. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. That that was the one when I I, I rarely take notes when we're watching movies. I had to you know, really put that down a hundred thousand. Come on, it, it reminds me of the uh, Doctor Evil. One million dollars, and they'll laugh because it's like a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Jason. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, can we just mute your fucking mic? Come on. No. <laughs> it's it's never good when it starts out like that. I it's think just, it would. Well, uh, I'm sure the script was awesome. I'm sure when it was just words on paper, this was a really good script. I'm I'm somewhere with you guys on the well, obviously the movie and the movie stuff's great, all that stuff's neat. But Norman Reedus couldn't act his way out of a whatever fill in the blank there. I don't Yeah, I don't know. I, he one million million percent took me out of this movie. Like I didn't buy anything. I thought he was think, great as a drug addict. I thought that yeah, those scene was cool. Were, but he wasn't talking. But like <laughs> Once he was cleaned up and the owner of a theater, I'm like, you're not a fucking owner. You don't, I didn't believe anything he said in any of the movies. So I just was out. It's too bad. Udo Kier was, this might be like his best performance. It's one of my favorites I've ever, like he was awesome. Yeah. We didn't talk about it. He didn't get enough in this movie, but. I mean, I, I I felt bad about laughing about it, but I thought him throwing that ice cube at the angel was hilarious. Yes, <laughs> bop on the head. I'm like, what is yeah. he doing? And 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 I I know this is really mean. Um, and but not like he's fucking listening and he gives a shit. He's filthy rich. But like the angel and Lopan, how is it like that? Carpenter looks like both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but then yes, the angel. Uh, yeah, the angel's like the moon face for you in the first one. It me, is just took I'm me like, right out. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I again, concept wise, in a fantastical story that's on paper, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, it's it makes sense. I just it didn't work in the movie. I well, I think me. The, I think the point of that scene was just to be like like a shocking moment without you know a payoff. Well, without thinking it through, without thinking it through. Yeah. Well, well, the angel itself, him with the the wings and the face and the makeup, all great. Yeah, I, I really like liked look it a lot. a lot. But this is in a movie that's I'm supposed to <laughs> Guy believe. Guy just owns this? an angel. No, fuck off. I. Hey, remember when we did the Are You Afraid of the Dark episode and there was one that was in the theater when the thing was coming out of the screen, like the vampire, like Nosferatu? Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, how did how did they get it better? Like, the writing? Like, <laughs> Good point. Well, because they, they they show it. They explain it. They, you know, the, they reveal. You know, it's just like, oh, I just have an angel in my, in my den. Yeah. And 
and uh, I, I'm always like, I love how like in in Glorious Bastards, Eli Roth directed that like Nazi film. I love these like little mm-hmm. weird things about movies and movies like we're doing Masters of Horror. Like one of the other directors couldn't come up with like a cooler concept than this. I mean, they just build it up so much. Um, so- the film Absolute Demand. Yeah, I was hoping Mike would try to pronounce that film. And it they just said 47,000 fucking times in this. And I guarantee you right afterwards I couldn't pronounce it. Yeah. And just sort of like underwhelming, you know, like. Can, can I ask just, my two biggest Carpenter fans in the world a question? Sure. That's no. not you. That's oh, it's not me. Uh, so other than Cody's score, like what, 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 if, what makes this a Carpenter film to you? Uh, t- like to me, some of the, uh, I'm being serious. I'm not trying to be, a no, no, I not trying to put me on a spot. Like I know, what? but I, th- I would say just, I mean, so obviously in later in his career, he got much more violent. I mean, you jump, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. t- to later in his career, yeah. but I wouldn't say the violence necessarily just sort of, uh, maybe self-referential. It's sort of just, uh, the, like it, it, maybe the thing that Mike said was like more, talky and less you know i just know we get very hyperbolic on this show about oh this is the greatest director of all time and they all have a style and i every time i'm like but do they and can you tell me what it is okay master of horror insane mike your hand is raised oh, over there i'll let andy answer yeah. since the, they are the carpenter <laughs> experts but i actually have an answer oh, for good. this one good. um i guess my take on it would just be the you know like there's always a sense of um, mystique in his films. You know, it's just like, why, why is um, Michael Myers the way he is? Well, we we find out that he's just he's plain and simple evil. Why, you know, why do we feel like we're being controlled? Well, you know, and they live. You know, well, you eventually. I mean, there's always there's always a sense of of mystery to his films. I, and I think that's why, what Mm. maybe what, what attracted him to this, you know, it's just like, why is there like this weird chemical shit in this church in Prince of darkness? I'm sorry. I'm probably screwing up the plot, but you know, it's just like, they start to find out, you know, that's, it's, you know, it's basically a gateway to hell and the devil's coming through. And it's just, there's always, uh, there's always a question, you know, in, in most of his films, um, you know, and then it just takes us on the journey of finding out what what is what. You know, it's just you know, as an audience, we're on, we're along for the ride. Because I, I mean, you guys kind of made a, a a little uh connection for Casarelli's film, even though it wasn't much. But this one, I just wasn't sure. But Mike, what did you think? Okay, so I know you asked this question from time to time, <laughs> and so I feel like you. Are um, um, as a as a student of human behavior, right, right, are really trying to figure out the answer to what is a director's style in for, general for me and for you. But what? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think the last time you asked this was also about Carpenter. Oh, dang it, was it? <laughs> I think Shoot. so. It, this this feels really familiar. But for <laughs> me, yeah, if I were to point out a Carpenter style. Thing that that is something that I think is a, a carpenter style, and one that's mm-hmm. probably my favorite is 
taking hit the fact that he takes his characters on this dark apocalyptic doomy journey because cigarette burns just thinking about it before you know right when the conversation started um my brain or even watching the even when i was watching it my brain goes straight to one of my favorite carpenter movies that i think is extremely underrated in the mouth of madness mm-hmm. and i feel like norman Reedus's journey through this parallels a lot of what sam neill goes through in that movie and then i get to thinking about it because like you know, Carpenter fans have always said, you know, In the Mouth of Madness is the conclusion of his apocalyptic apocalyptic mm-hmm. trilogy. Which when you think when you hear the word trilogy, you think, okay, it's a series of films that all connect. They don't because the apocalyptic trilogy, story wise, is um the thing, they live, and oh wait, no. It's the thing, uh, Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness. Talk about story wise, three completely different movies. But those three, and to me, most of other of his other films are going into this, like, not just unhappy or dark endings or mysterious endings, um, which most of his films have, but just like, you know, it's just not bad for the characters that are, that we're following. It's bad for everybody, you know? <laughs> Think about the thing, you yeah. know? Is one of those guys the thing? Is this truly over? Is this creature going to end up taking over the world? You know, yeah. Same no happy thing. ending. Same thing with even freaking like the yeah. uh, the escape movies. You know, well, is it? No I can't. I always forget. Ending. Is it L.A. or is it New York? Where basically um, Snake Plissken um, destroys all technology by like doing that. That's L.A. It's L.A. You know, yep. think about that. Our hero basically puts an end to modern civilization. You know, so. That's what it is for me. You know, in the Math of Madness, again, like, the world is effed by the end of that movie. And we're just kind of left with Sam Neill's insanity. So as far as a style from John Carpenter that I latch onto, it's not necessarily, like, always things like, oh, no, where is he putting the camera or what light? No, I what like lights that. he's using. It can also be the theme of the story. In yeah, a way. the themes that he puts into his stories, mm-hmm. or the oh, themes cool. that he latches, the scripts that he latches onto because of those themes. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you have your turn because it has his name above the title, Jason. Oh, see, that, I didn't style. want you guys to get away with just that. <laughs> and by you, everyone and, listening to my voice. And then he took Stephen King's movie and put his name above it. You know, well, Stephen no. King's story. Oh it, yeah. But traditionally, even, Christi- it, yeah. even Christine. I mean, you know, it's not maybe not on quite the same level. It's but, pretty bleak. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it goes bad for Arnie. You know, really, really bad. And uh, and it's really not over because you get that just that little tease right there at the end where, you know, the, the um, radio. Right. Ra- yeah, the radio kicks on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Traditionally, you would think of a style in a, a cinematic way of. Yeah, and it's not always that. At least it's not me, always anyway. that, so I like that. Yeah. It could be that for him. That's cool. All right, just wondered. But yeah, uh, d- uh, fuck that angel and fuck Norman Reedus and this. <laughs> God damn it. But the movie shit was awesome, of course. Of course. And yeah. the best head-chopping scene of all time. That might be. It's gross. <laughs> you just felt it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, which I feel like, I mean... 
relies on two things. Not necessarily the gore, although that first jab in the neck and then the the spray was amazing. But like when he's just chopping away at it, to me it relies on two things. The the performance of the guy doing the chopping and um the sound mix, the just the 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 audio, the foley of the, the chomp and it's like, oh man. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, well, God, I'm hoping Jason will like one of these. Stay tuned. We will see. Up next. Well, before we oh, get to yeah, what yeah, next, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. I want to take a <laughs> just take a quick time out, turn it over to the Tad, and so he can get us caught up on some trivia for the first two that we talked about. Well, I don't have a whole lot on either of these, um, but thank you. I guess the one I found from Cigarette Burns was that Cody Carpenter. This was his first time as a composer in general. Uh, which is sort of cool. Like I said, looking back at where he, what he's doing now, and looking back at this. Um, yeah, cool. I thought it had a great dad carpenter feel to it too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, growing up, you know, with him as your dad, like yeah. it's gonna rub off on you. Um, and the only thing I really found on Instant that I thought was interesting is that um, Ethan Embry played another character in the third season, which we talked about fear itself. Uh, so he, he was, he was good enough to come back. Heck he yeah. is that good. He is that good. <laughs> Man, we need to do an episode where we talk about, um, devil's candy. I want to watch that again. It's pretty That's good. good one. Yeah. Metal horror. Yeah. 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 Metal, metal exploitation. I yeah. like it. We totally should do one and we can watch, um, no, <laughs> I knew it was coming. God damn it! Trick. No, Lords of Lords of uh, Chaos. Yeah, there yeah, we go. There you go. God, I love that movie so much. Trick or, Trick or treat, treat, rock and roll nightmare. We, we got our three right there. We're good. As long as it ain't Black Roses, I don't have to watch that again. Now let's do Hard Rock Zombies. Okay, all right. Okay, uh, so Jason, what's our third one? Oh my goodness. So, uh, you know, listening to these trailers, I didn't realize it's a really neat thing that this show seems to do that I don't know any other show does, is they put the theme music to the opening part of the show in the trailer. Yeah. That's really yeah, neat. That's cool, which I like that little intro theme. Yeah, the intro theme's cool, but it's just, it's just I don't, I've never heard a show put it in the trailers of the show, so that's yeah. really cool. Anyway, so another director that we thought we may never get another good horror film from at the time. Yeah. This is very, 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 very true. <laughs> so seeing his name pop up made all your little boners stick up. So we got Dario Argento with Jennifer. Freeze! Police! Throw down your weapon! Too late. Go away. You don't know what she is. Don't do it. You kill a psychopath. I don't care that he was trying to slice her up. It's gonna warp you. What's wrong with her face? What happened to her? Do you know where she's from? Apparently, she didn't really have a home. I can tell you, her name is Jennifer. So where's she now? She's at Watkins Island. Poor thing. I don't even know how much she understands. Jennifer, what are you doing here? She's got nobody to care about her. She's got no place to go. Hello? I'm going to find her a place to stay. She can't Don't stay here. <gasps> oh, take her. Can you blame them, Frank? Look at her. 
It's just one more knife. That's it. Frank Spivey, who's played by Steven Weber, is a detective who rescues a strange young girl with a horribly disfigured face and lusciously ripe body from a deranged killer. Yeah, Steven Weber's in this. It's uh, some written by some Bernie Wrightson, and we got yes. some featured music by Claudio Simonetti from that one band nobody knows the name of. Just kidding. Goblin. The Goblin. Yep. Um, so, my thoughts, guys. Oh, here we go. We we finally got one with a good story. Yeah, I like this one. Even though since it came out in 2005, I've stayed away and I've never watched it, and I boycotted it. I didn't boycott it, but I'm like, they spelled Jennifer wrong. So I didn't watch this stupid movie. It's Italians. They have to be. I can't look at it and not hate it. Whatever country it's from. Just kidding. But anyway. Yeah, uh, this was great. I really liked it. Um, great story. And um, Jennifer's hot. What? <laughs> Mostly. What would you guys think? Yeah, so the, all these were my first time, really. So it was it, great seeing it. It rides the line between comedy and horror. I don't know if it's, you know... It's, uh, some of it's hilarious, you know, like when the wife first sees her face and she screams and then she screams back, "Ah!" you know, um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely odd and uncomfortable. It's just like, yeah, it's just like, uh, this, 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 this will this show will give you a weird boner. I mean, I guess right? in a way. <laughs> I thought it was just it's, me. Okay. Uh, uh, it's Made me feel weird. But 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 the the effects in it and I'm uh, Nicotero and Berger did this. Yep. Yep. They do yep. This? Okay. Um, I really and when Ber- uh, Stephen Weber, uh, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Frank Spivey. Spivey, Spivey, yeah. Because every time I hear Spivey, I think of Drexel Spivey from uh, True Romance. Um, but uh, this Frank Spivey, when he tries to sell her to the uh, the carnival and yeah. to try to get rid of her, my mind automatically goes to it's like this sounds like it. You know, when I when I look at the makeup on Jennifer and I, I combine like the the carnival, my mind just goes like, oh, my God, this is like the funhouse guy's sister or like a member of his family. <laughs> because, I mean, they, they literally yeah. look they have like that weird hair lip and just like the buggy eyes. And I'm just like, wow, I wonder what, if Gunther like, is that is that his name? I think so. In fun, uh, well, okay. Uh, Gunther and Jennifer. I think that they're brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as, I, as, I like it. As crazy as that makeup is on her face, like it, even though it's bad, it's like it's it's not that bad. It's it's actually kind of good. I don't know. It doesn't bother yes. me. 
She's Although it like seems bad. Big crazy fish eye or whatever, yeah, and um, really dark pupils and like yeah. is she an alien? What's going on? What's wrong with this person? Now is this one okay as far as not knowing? Yeah, yeah I'm curious. Y- I was <laughs> say you like if 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 Moonface yeah, or whatever better. showed his dick, you would be okay. Yeah, yeah. way better. Yeah, if yeah. He had a rack like with this. anyway. <laughs> <star>. <laughs> so sorry. Maybe maybe should maybe you know since he had you know a big clear dome head, he should have like a big nipple on his you know on the it top of helped. his skull. It helped. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is. I mean, it gets gory at times, and you're just like, <laughs> like when he's when when that kid is down in that cellar, you know that that Spivey is like, you know, working for you know the kid's mom. You know, you just like you don't know. Yeah. She she might have gone down it on him, but and so. then just started like snarfing his guts and snarfing his dick, and then worked his way up to his guts. Just like Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's 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 gnarly. So it's just like it's you don't know. I mean, there's horror comedy like Army of Darkness, you know, when like Ash is punching himself. And then there's the horror and the comedy in this are like separate, you know, it's just like it's really gory and there's nothing funny about it whatsoever. But then she'll do something like really like like when she screams at, you know, uh at, at his wife or does something just like really off-putting and just really weird. So like it's a horror comedy, but the horror and the comedy are in just really separate scenes. So it's just a, it's, it's very different. I, I, I really enjoyed it, but man, it's just, it's, it's, it's odd, man. It's, it's an odd show. So this one, um, for years has been my favorite. I mean, it's Argento. Come on. Um, you know, probably my favorite director out of all of the masters of horror, um, the ones that were picked. Cause what makes it Argento? George well, there, yeah. There wasn't any okay. red gels. In yeah. Well, yeah. You guys let me finish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, definitely <laughs> after this last watch though, it may go down a peg or two. Um, Whoa. and it's still Spivey didn't up have there any for black me. leather gloves. It may still be up there for <laughs> me towards the top. Um, simply because of the story, Stephen Weber, I love him. Uh, the makeup, the gore, um, you know, the Bernie Wrightson's, uh, involvement. Like I have read that actual original creepy, uh, uh, story from, um, from the creepy magazine, and you know the art's gorgeous. Oh, cool. Um, and so, and as far as adaptations go from a comic, it's it's extremely true to it. I felt, and um, so, yeah. As far as the story goes and everything is why it's still up there for me as an Argento film. Um, it's it's definitely the best thing Argento had done, and was like oh. You know, good Argento's back, even if it's for a second, um, compared to... Because, like, for me, I'm a pretty big Argento fan, but I can even say, like, I had <laughs> not enjoyed anything from Argento. Like, everything that did not has not felt Argento dating all the way back to Two Evil Eyes, which was 1990. Um, and he had made, like, about six or seven films between that and his episode of Ma- uh, Jennifer of Masters of Horror. So, um, yeah, and you want to talk about a director who's 
you know, style. You want to talk about visual styling of this is an Argento film because of the visualness of it. Um, what you know, wacky camera angles, you know, unbelievable camera angles, uh, un, uh, uh, wacky camera movement, sometimes for no reason. Um, <laughs> you know, but it was there. Crazy I- colors, outrageous score. You know, that's the stuff that is Argento. That is the style. You know, the, he is definitely, as far as styles go, the visual stylist guy. That Another nothing could be argued about that, and none of that is really here. Um, he tries a couple of There's some fun little stuff, camera yeah. shots that, at the end of the day, to be perfectly honest, yeah, felt just... more annoying than just cool. Sure. <laughs> I'm trying to remember that... the what's that? Oh, I was just going to ask you. It's like, do you think like the fast motion of the traffic was kind of a little cheesy and and unnecessary? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was. Yeah. What was the one shot where it was like a reflection? It was a close-up shot of a reflection on something. Mm. I don't remember what it was, but anyway, I can't remember. Yeah, that was like one of those. It's like, uh, okay, that's that's just kind of annoying, and it looks bad. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And I and again, I just assume it's like because back in the day, you know, our, our, when Argento was at his peak of his quote-unquote style, mm-hmm. uh, he had. Time to do to the time and the money to do yep. whatever the f he wanted. I mean, like, well, let's build this crane for this bird. Shot. Well, yeah. hell, like, there's a cool documentary out there, uh, Dario Argento's World of Horror. You should check it out. And it was a documentary that was made around the time he was making uh, Phenomena. So there's a lot. There was a lot of talk of Phenomena in the documentary, and so there's it, it explains like. There's a scene, you know, where like uh, a was it a bee? I can't remember a bee, a bee or a fly or whatever was supposed to land. It's supposed to land on Jennifer Connelly's finger while in a car, and they created this whole effing rig where they had the top of the car cut out and the special rig so that it was a real fly that they surgically implanted a really thin monofilament line to so they could control where the fly was going and what. And I'm like. And so there's no there's way no money for that here. No, no way in the past 20 years, Argento gets to do any of that kind of nonsense anymore. Yeah, which is a bummer. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, so the style, the Argento style, wasn't really there because. And to be honest with you, it almost kind of a lot of this really visually felt like some freaking Lifetime movie. Hmm. You know, it just everything just kind of felt flat and you know generic and kind of boring and almost you know tv low quality tv quality to it so it's interesting that to me i love argento because he's one of the most stylistically visually appealing directors out of all of them and yet out of the three that we picked had the least amount of style to it like i i love the visual looks of cigarette burns and mountain road those had way more visual appeals and little tweaks and stuff here more than Jennifer did. At the end of the day, though, I still really love this episode. Um, the story is great. You know, I, I agree with Andy. There's definitely, you know, if, if you're um, sick-minded enough like us, uh, there's, there's, obvious, there's obviously some humor here. Um, you know, like uh, from the dick chomping, it kind of comes off funny to me. And I, yeah. I think it's intentional. I do. 
Because Stephen Weber, I mean, he's a funny guy, and he co-wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, You know, other stuff too. It's like, it's a cool mixture of why I like the Joker as a character because it's a cool mixture of dark and horrific and kind of funny at the same time, and you question your own sanity for laughing. You know, as uh, you know, the scene with the little girl and. And the end of the scene cuts with a close-up shot of her licking her lips, um, Jennifer licking her lips, uh, which is kind of funny but disturbing at the same time because we all know what's going to happen and we don't and we don't mm-hmm. know what happened, um, you know. And and again, another one like he hires the the carny guy to to take Jennifer away, and then he comes home. Opens the fridge and the body falls out. It's freaking hilarious to me, <laughs> and, and and to me it's it, it's it's gruesome and disturbing, but it's funny because the way those scenes are cut together and paced, and that's where it has like a little bit of a haha to it. But a great uh, ensemble of talent in this. You got Argento directing. You got Bernie Wrightson story. You've got Goblin score. Well, Goblinish. Uh, you got the you got the N and B of K and B doing effects, and you got Steven Weber, who you know he's never gonna probably um, outlive his or come yes. out of the wing shadow, but he is a horror movie fan, um, a big horror movie fan, and has contributed a lot to horror uh, since he left Wings, and um, and also on the comic book side of things, has done a lot of great voice work in uh, in. Um, DC animated stuff that I really love. So big Steven Weber fan. So still a favorite of mine. But uh, you know, if we're talking Argento visual style, it would definitely go um, way lower on the list of uh, Argento films. Tad, what did you think? You didn't say much. I've always you? liked this one too. Uh, I mean, there's blood, guts, boobs, monsters, <laughs> some humor. I'm not a. I'm not at all a Steven Weber fan. It feels. Like when I see him, I, I it takes me to the '90s, and like <laughs> Mike said, sort of lives in that shadow of Wings. But uh, just a weird ass story that is sort of gross, but funny, but disturbing. Just uh, I, I've always liked this one too. I mean, I'm probably biased. I like most of them. There are some that are all that like teeter the line of horror that I don't love as far as masters of horror but i mean this is straight up horror and it's a very freaky story situation and sort of trying to think of something similar where it like you know this she's almost like a curse where she's passed on to the next person next person and sort of sucks the soul out of the person you know and literally in this case uh yeah I've always I've always enjoyed this one, um, and like I said, when I started watching this this series, I was like, I probably had only seen two Argento movies at that point, so I was like, you know, oh, this is this is what he's known for. But this almost um, story wise makes too much sense for an Argento movie. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true too. That should be <laughs> another thing that takes it <laughs> out of out of the world of Argento is that it's a linear story that makes sense and characters do um, intelligent things. And everybody speaks <laughs> fluent English, and there's no overdubbing of the, you know, <laughs> vocals, and it's yeah, 
yeah, that's, I, I just, I, I mean, it's the best of both worlds, right? But, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, how can you not just love watching this one if you're a horror fan? I'll just, yeah, man, it's great. Yeah, cool. I can't remember now because probably because I talked so much on this one. But <laughs> Andy, did you did you get to speak? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Just making sure. It's so long ago since I started talking. <laughs> I, I have a little trivia on this one. Yeah, I was going to say then, uh, what do you got for trivia? This was the only season one episode to require cuts. Two shots were removed from the final film, both involving graphic depictions of oral sex. The first one occurred during the sex scene in the car, and the second occurred at the end of the film. The deleted scenes are edited into the So Hideous My Love documentary on the DVD. And then uh, the other little bit of trivia you you mentioned earlier, but uh, a little more detail. The source material first appeared in 1974 in Creepy Number 63 which was illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. Woo. So if you want to find actual source material, creepy number 63 from 1974. I think it's probably been reprinted in other places too because I don't think I read the original creepy number 64, but I have read the, I just don't remember where I've read it. Was it called Jennifer? Yeah, yeah. I think With one end? So I think Jason yeah. would like it more than <laughs> Okay, so that's uh, that's it for the films for this episode, but we have been posed with the question by Brian. The Godzilla. Godzilla. Is, uh, if we could just recommend one from this episode, what would it be, Jason? Oh, gosh, it's easily Jennifer. <laughs> Not just because it's the only one I like, but I don't know. It seems a little more, more normal. I don't know. You... You guys really like that first one a lot, but for me, it's Jennifer. Easy. Okay, uh, Andy? Ooh, that's tough, dude. Uh, I would tell you to watch them all, um, but if, if I had to pick one, uh, I mean, I God, I really think... It, Jennifer, something you really got to prep yourself for. So I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to like push people away. Uh, I would say it's like, and this is in terms of getting you into the series to like make you, you know, go down further. I would probably say, in terms of straight up horror, I would say I'd probably say watch. Fucking tease! Uh, hurry up! Come on, pick something. <laughs> I was about ready to say it. Jesus, sure. Okay, can can I talk now? Thank you. Uh, incident on on and off mountain road. That's cool, good. Ted. Cigarette burns. John Carpenter. Oh, <laughs> stock answer. <laughs> and I'm probably gonna go with Andy. Incident on and off a mountain road. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, this last viewing, that one. Gosh, knocked um, it down. I know it really, it really escalated over Jennifer for. Yeah, this time. So, there you go. So basically, what we're saying is, watch them all. Just watch them all. Because <laughs> we all gave different answers. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, so, that's it for Masters of Horror. I know we'll come back to this because there's so many other great episodes to watch. We'll come back to this topic for sure. Uh, don't worry, though. There's still more of the show to come. 
We're going to take a quick break so you can hear about our podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Uh, the PFPN is home to so many amazing shows, such as Genre Exposed, which is a bi-weekly podcast uh, plumbing the depths of genre films from the old, new, cult, and transgressive. Join them as they explore the wide world of cinema, broadening all of our horizons one movie at a time. You can check them out and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. That's right. Genre Exposure. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show. Now it's time to hear from you guys, the listeners. Here's Jason with shoutouts. It's time for shoutouts. All right, we just asked what your favorite entries in the Master of Horror series were, and I'm not sure a lot of you guys have watched this, so you're going to really enjoy our recommendations. But we had a few shout-outs, and on our Facebook group, we have a first-time commenter, I'm pretty sure, Late Shift at the Grindhouse, says, Cigarette Burns is my favorite. Of course it is, because it's... <laughs> Theater related, of course he picked that one. Um, but I'll always get a chuckle out of Dear Woman. Yeah, yeah, John uh, Landis. It's, that's oh, good. It's John good. Landis, written by his son, so it does. You know, nowadays makes it a little bit of a harder watch. Okay. Okay. He's renowned as a, kind of a jerk. Oh. And then uh, over on our Twitter, no wait. Instagram, where the hell am I? <laughs> I can't tell anymore. On Instagram, we got Old School Video Inc. Yeah, that's the Reebster. He says, cigarette burns and incident on and off a mountain road are both friggin' great. Yeah. He's, he's right. He's right. And he's there it wrong. is. As usual, the answer machine beep. It's the lights blinking, and so I better push the button. Hey, everybody. Attacker Brian here for my bi-weekly phone call again. So sounds like we're doing Masters of Horror this episode, and I am a failure at being a Master of Horror because I don't believe I've ever seen any of these uh, series from the television show. Looks like there's 26 of them, and I have failed to watch one of them. So I'm really looking forward to this episode because I want the guys at Attack of the Killer podcast to tell me what ones I should watch and maybe give me some homework so that I can report back next episode that I've not failed at life and being a horror fan. I hope you guys did better at the homework than I did and watched some of this stuff because I hear it's really good. And I actually own some of it on DVD. I've just never watched it, like most of the stuff that I own that's still <laughs> in plastic. Hope you guys have a good week. Take care. Bye. All right. Thank you, Brian. And yeah, all these films can be found on Tubi. 
Yes, watch them all. Watch, watch them. them all, you uncultured swine. <laughs> we, we should probably have Godzilla on the next unwrapping. <laughs> right? Just because. Just because we got to get him watching all those I know. Dollar Tree movies. <laughs> well, all right. You guys can uh, leave your voicemails, too, just like the Godzilla did. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave that voicemail. Get your voice on the show. And that is shout-outs. So this episode's been really interesting because... Um, here I thought it might end up coming up a little short <laughs> uh, because these are, these episodes for Masters of Horror are just barely oh. under feature length te- technical terms of feature length films. They're only like an hour apiece. Um, so yeah, but it turns out we are obviously pretty passionate about this series because <laughs> we have ran pretty long this episode. So to uh, to kind of help everybody out, we're just going to skip the rest of the segments this episode. So. Uh, no recasting with Christian Slater, and no in Saints Picks Hall of Fame. Um, and I know you guys are all chomping at the oh. bit to get the conclusion to the Ed Wood one. Um, I mean, you know what? It's probably for the best, because that way I can end this episode on a happy note, because trust me, <laughs> my three, part three of the Ed Wood story it gets pretty sad and dark. So, so that's going to wrap it up for another masterful episode of Attack of the Killer <laughs> Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening, and a special thanks to all the attackers for your support of the show. We couldn't do it without you. You guys are awesome. Guys, keep the lights on. It's great. And you, too, can become an attacker by going to jointheattackers.com. One last bit of advice before I leave. Uh, Do not go see that new movie about the killer cow. It's utterly disgusting. Oh, Jesus. I thought it was horrible. Oh, I don't know how long they can milk that franchise. Play the outro music, Jason. I'm, I'm All right, goodbye. Goodbye. Talk to you next time. Oh, no. Could this be the end of? What?